0: Today, our church around the world celebrates Divine Mercy Sunday. We recognize the overwhelming mercy that God has for each and every one of us. Now, Divine Mercy Sunday was instituted by Pope John Paul II in the year 2001, based upon the apparitions of Sister Faustina. Now, Sister Faustina was a nun of the Order of the Most Blessed Sacrament, and in the 1930s, While she was living in Poland, she received apparitions from Jesus Christ himself. Now, after a while, it was Christ who commissioned Sister Faustina to promulgate to the entire world how great God's mercy for us was, and that God wants nothing more than to impart that mercy upon us if we only ask for it. Now, Pope John Paul II recognized the significance of this, And therefore, he wanted to place this feast as close as possible to Easter. Therefore, he placed it as the second Sunday of Easter. And that's what we celebrate every year. So then it begs the question, why? Why so close to Easter? Well, Pope John Paul II said, the only way that we could recognize, fathom, and appreciate just how overwhelming God's mercy is for us It must be seen through the lens of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. Only through the lens of Jesus' death and resurrection can we see that we have a God that will stop at nothing to show his mercy and his love for us, even to the extent of dying on the cross. Now, turn to the gospel. The gospel for this weekend is appropriate, in fact, perfect for what we celebrate today. Notice how the story begins. It begins exactly the way it began last week on Easter Sunday, on the evening of that first day of the week. Well, stop right there. Here, again, John is trying to equate the story of creation. So you could say John is reaching all the way back to the story of creation, which was the greatest story in all of the Old Testament, a story in which we saw God do some incredible, in fact, extraordinary things. How he created the entire universe out of nothing. Well, John reaches back and grabs that story and pulls it right next to the story of the risen Christ. And now tells us there's an even greater story than that of creation. It's the story of the resurrection of Christ. How God, the Father, has risen the Son from the dead. Now, notice next in the story, it says the disciples were hiding and the doors were locked. Well, the locked doors are symbolic of the sinful soul. You know, appreciate the context in which this gospel story is set in. Prior to the Passion of Christ, for three years, the apostles were Jesus' close companions. For three years, they ate together, they walked together, they traveled together. They shared their thoughts and their ideas and their dreams. But most importantly, they shared friendship with Christ. But at the very moment in which Jesus needed them the most, in the garden before his arrest, they tucked tail and they ran. They abandoned Jesus. Worse yet, Peter, who was considered the best friend of Jesus, he denied even knowing Jesus. And not just once, but three times. So, yes, the apostles are hiding for fear of the Jews. The Jews killed their leader, Jesus, and now they're going to go after his followers. It makes sense. But I think the apostles are really hiding because of shame. They feel very shameful in how they treated and abandoned Christ. They feel great remorse. Now, it says Jesus came to them despite the locked doors. Well, he enters the room. Jesus transcends time and space because of his resurrection. But more importantly, and this is important for us, Jesus overcomes all obstacles that we may set up in our life, especially the obstacle of sin that prevents us from growing in our faith. Jesus overcomes that obstacle in order to draw closer to us, in order to strengthen our faith. Now, Jesus, the first thing he says to his apostles is, Peace be with you. Shalom. I give you my mercy. He doesn't express his disappointment. He doesn't express his anger. He doesn't express his frustration with the apostles and what they've done. Instead, he says, Peace. Shalom. Jesus shows God's mercy to the apostles who desperately need it. Next, it says he showed him his hands and his side. He showed him his wounds. Now, why? Well, the wounds are essentially symbolic of the effects of sin, the outright rejection of Jesus Christ. And yet these wounds essentially did not conquer Christ. Instead, just the opposite. On the contrary, Jesus conquered these wounds. And he shows the apostles that he has laid claim. He has laid victory Over sin and death. That's why it says the apostles rejoiced when they saw Jesus. Well, they rejoiced in Jesus' victory. Now, I always say one of the hallmarks of the Holy Spirit is joy. Great example of this look at Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, in her 30 to 40 years of ministry, it was very, very difficult for her, not just physically, but spiritually. She worked in some of the worst places in the entire world, and yet she always had a smile on her face. Well, she radiated the mark of the Holy Spirit upon her. Now, Jesus says a second time to the apostles, peace be with you. Now, the first time, the apostles embraced God's endless mercy, and they were forgiven for what they've done. Now, the second time, Jesus now imparts upon the apostles. They are now to be commissioned to go out into this world and bear witness to God's great mercy and tell the world. Why is that? Because the message of God's limitless mercy for us all is so great, it can't be contained. It can't be hidden. The apostles are the first recipients of Jesus' mercy when he first says to them, Peace be with you. And now the second time, they are commissioned to go out and tell the world how overwhelming God's mercy is for each and every one of us. A good analogy to help you understand this is, say tonight you go to a movie and it's a powerful movie such that it changes your whole life and how you live your life and your whole attitude. Well, what's the first thing you're going to do tomorrow morning? You're going to want to tell your family members and your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors to go see that movie because you want them to experience the exact same thing that you experienced for their life to change, for the positive. Well, that's exactly what's happening now in this story. And yet, what's next? Well, the second part of the story. Here we have Thomas. Thomas is not with them. When Jesus first appears to them, and that's a bad thing. Now, notice what Thomas says to the apostles Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, essentially, it's the attitude of, Hey, I will believe it if it is proven to me, or I will believe it according to my terms. Well, that's not faith. That's not following the will of God. Now, notice what Jesus says to Thomas at the very end of this story. He says to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. What is Jesus really saying? Blessed are those who receive God according to God's terms and God's will, not their own will. Take it a step further. The apostles, remember, they represent the foundation of our church. Yet Thomas isn't with them when Jesus first appears. Well, that's not good. Because Jesus is best and most clearly seen in the church. Remember the story of the road to Emmaus? The two disciples are walking with Jesus. They don't see who he truly is until the breaking of the bread. Until Jesus consecrates the Eucharist, then their eyes are wide open. Well, the same thing holds true with us. Jesus is most clearly seen in the church. That's why we have to remain in the church. Jesus is most clearly seen in the Eucharist, in our sacraments, in the way we pray and worship, in our doctrine, and our dogma. Therefore, we must always remain in the church. Now, notice how God's mercy is first shown to the apostles and then the church. Now the church must be an instrument of God's grace in this world. We, as the body of Christ, we must be conduits of God's mercy in this world and proclaim God's mercy to all people. I'll give you a great example of this. Mother Teresa. In 1946, Mother Teresa is on a train riding to Darje India to recover from tuberculosis. While praying on the train, she hears the words of Jesus Christ whispered to her, I thirst. Now, those were the very words in which Jesus spoke right before his death, and yet now he's speaking those very words to Mother Teresa as she's praying. Now, after prayer and contemplation, she understood what those words meant. When Jesus said, I thirst, he was telling her, I thirst for the salvation of all the souls in this world. Shortly after, Mother Teresa established her order, the Missionaries of Charity, and she brought the thirst of Christ to the poor of this world. She brought the thirst of Jesus Christ, thirst for the salvation of all, to the homeless and the sick, to the poor and the dying. If you go into any Missionary of Charity's chapel, regardless of what country you're in, you will see the words, I thirst, written on the ceiling right above the altar. Mother Teresa recognized the power of those words, I thirst, such that she made them the primary mission of her order, to bring the thirst of Christ for the salvation of souls to the homeless, the poor and the dying, especially those who felt furthest away from Christ. So you say to yourself, okay, so what does this mean for me? Well, we have to do exactly what the apostles did. We have to look at the wounds of Christ, see the effects of sin, and then act upon it. Beg, ask, pray for God's mercy, and it will be given to you. And therefore, as you pray, listen to the words of Jesus Christ. The words now whisper to you as you're praying, Shalom, peace, my mercy is upon you. Let those words resonate deep with inside of you, in your heart, your mind, and your soul. And yet, it doesn't stop there. Now you, as part of the church, you too, must be a conduit of God's grace and mercy in this world. Bring God's limitless mercy for us all, his thirst for our souls to all people in our own little corner of the world, our neighbors, our friends, our family, those people that feel especially furthest away from God's mercy. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.